Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on this occasion, I am joined by Robert Borthwick. Yes, how's it going? First, <laughs> you named me first, you forgot the bit. No, Delighted. I didn't. I just, I just mixed up. Do you not tell with the inflection of oh. the number of voice? We're triumphant. Nope. Give you, give you a wee... <laughs> okay, yeah, well, fair enough. It's probably because I was thrown <laughs> off as well, because I've got a man who's usually um, introduced last on a, a well-known TV show. Critically acclaimed TV show, uh, and that is Sean McGuigan. Hello, Sean. Hello, he's okay. I'm frustrated, Sean. I'm frustrated. Uh, that, that's understandable. I, I suppose it, it, it's quite hard to be too downbeat, bearing in mind what, what happened last week. But I, it feels like a it feels like a missed opportunity, and I suppose we won't know how big a missed opportunity it is until so I think a draw until we finish like, fifth in a World Cup group. Ah, so I think it draws the seventh of December. So that'll give us a rough yeah. idea of, of what group we're finishing fourth in. <laughs> uh, but, but, but you know something of, of the uh, of of the second seeds. It, it used to be that we're pulling a scenario eighteen months ago, two two three years ago, where all second seeds would would concern us. But now it's maybe now maybe just half the second seeds. You think to yourself, right? That might be a bit of toil. So. If we can get lucky with, with a draw on the, on the seventh, we might still be okay. And for the first time in a while, I'm starting to think maybe we could finish second in a group. But but that's that seems like a strange thing to say based on the last two, based on the last two results, but not necessarily based on the last two performances. If that makes sense. Yeah. So obviously, for those of you who don't know, 
which would be weird if you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, we are talking about Scotland's 1-0 defeat in Israel. It means that we finished second in the Nations League. We, we only had to win one of our last two games or draw either of them. We should definitely have at least got a draw in both games. We didn't. We lost both of them. Czech Republic did what they had to do. They won both their matches. And that's us blown out a terrific chance. It wouldn't have guaranteed that we would have got a playoff for the World Cup. Uh, but it, the chances are we def the, the chances are that we would have done because basically I think uh, in the in the kind of Euros I think every every team that finished yeah because it would go to there was two places up for grabs so it would be I think I'm right in saying it would be two group winners um, so we'd have to have every so it'd have to be a case where like so you've got four teams in the League A and four teams in League B one in their groups. And we'd have to have, you know, uh, two others basically not qualifying for the World Cup through the World Cup qualification group. And considering that the, the League A guys are all the kind of best teams in the world, that's very unlikely. So they would all be through. So we just basically have to have uh, at least two more teams in League B uh, qualifying for the World Cup or, or at least getting to a playoff. Uh, and then we would have got it if we don't finish top two in our group. And we're not expected to finish top two in our group because we're the third seed. And that's another thing as well. We had a chance, had we won both games, to move up to the second seed in our World Cup group. And we've missed that opportunity as well. Now, as you as you said, Sean, it's, it's, it's hard to be too downbeat because last week was a, a seminal moment. It was brilliant. It was one of my favourite moments as a football fan. And... It, despite the fact what's happened since then, that can't be taken away. We're still going to the Euros. Well, I've said this. I've said this a few times before. I need to stop saying that. It definitely can be taken away. COVID's still hanging around. Um, there's good news coming out today. The vaccines may be introduced early next year. That's great. But for now, I'm, I'm you know, touching every piece of wood I can find. Uh, to, it should be taken away. So that that's that's done. That's a line drawn under that. We can still be happy with that. We can still celebrate that. But I don't want to make qualifying for an international tournament something that happens once a generation. I want it to happen. I want it to happen like it used to happen. Like it used to happen all the time. And I think we had a great chance. We can still do it, of course. We can still have a very good World Cup qualification campaign. We can get a, a decent draw, do well in the groups, you know, finish first or second, get to either we have to go through the playoffs or whatever, get to World Cup, get to two tournaments in a row, and then it gets easier for that point forward to, to qualify for other tournaments. But we've made it harder on ourselves again. And it's just very frustrating. And anybody who just says, anybody with the attitude of, ah, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really matter that much, you can fuck off. <laughs> like, I'm, sick of the, I'm sick of anybody who wants to just act like a loser and like, oh, we should just be happy to be there. Bollocks. I want us to be a, a respectable international team again. I don't want us to be like, oh, yeah, we're just happy to be here because we never get to be here. You know, kind of like the, the small nations you occasionally see qualify for World Cups. And it's just like, oh, pat on the head, patronise them. Yes, well done. You never get to be here. Isn't it great kind of thing? Kind of like listening to Football Weekly last week when they were talking about the Scotland game. The Scottish guy was quite good that was on it, but the rest of them were just like, oh, I was just so happy for Scotland. I was just kind of thinking, fuck off. I didn't want you to be happy for us. I fucking hate you lot. <laughs> and we only get them to hate us once we become an international fixture once again. So I'm annoyed because we should have. We, we should have won either of those two games. We should have won the Slovakia game because we were the better team. And I think Slovakia were already on their holidays. And we should have won last night because... And this, uh, we'll get on to this to talk in more detail. For some reason, we can't beat fucking Israel. I think, uh, I think 
a lot of times what it comes down to with, with Scotland is so it kind of comes down to maths to a certain degree. So see when it comes to so see when it comes to an international qualifying. I'm with, with the Craig Anderson turn up. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm actually I'm now anticipating that Craig Anderson will message me to say that I'm wrong. But approximately what you need is right for, for any group when it comes to international qualifying, you need to average four points per opponent in your group, right? So if you've got six teams in your group, if you get to 20 points, you'll probably finish second, okay? And we we, we never do that. Now, partly that's because we never ever take any points for the, the top seed in the group. But that's fine because you can make those points up elsewhere by beating, taking six points off the bottom seed and six points off the fifth seed or six points off the fourth seed or whatever. But we generally don't do that either. We've, no, we've done it in done it in 96, done it in 98, and we've only done it, since then we've only done it in 2008, but we also had Italy and France in the group. And this Nations League group was a perfect example of where we generally go wrong. So 12 points for the winners of the group, we ended up having 11. But we kind of made things hard for ourselves when we dropped points against Israel at home in the first game, when we drew 1-0, and, and we, were, we were rubbish that night. I mean, really, really poor, and didn't really trouble them at all. And that meant that almost certainly we had to win two away games. And for a team that generally doesn't win away games, that was always going to be difficult. And I suppose the only, the only silver lining is... For years now, we have went to we've went to places and, and we've played teams that that aren't really that good, but we have been pummeled by them. They've, they've penned us in. We've ended up losing bid bid like two and three and, and never really laid a glove on them and, and never really looked like we were ever going to take anything to that game. So I suppose the only the only silver lining is on Sunday and last night, like those games didn't they follow that trope? Like see if we'd had if we'd had a goal scorer. And and that and 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 that team, then I think we would. I think we would have beat Slovakia, and we probably would have got a point in, in Israel. The only thing I would say for last night was, as much as we had more shots in name, and, and it kind of felt like we had the upper hand. At no point did I ever really feel like we were going to score. Like the chances we created were, were kind of half chances and 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 decent chances. They probably created better chances. Like like obviously like the goal. Uh, David Marshall had a good save with his legs at the start of the second half. They had one that was deflected wide right at the start of the second half as well, and like that was all kind of closer than we we managed to, to kind of cobble together in the in the entirety of the ninety minutes. But that still feels like a, a, a step forward, and now feels like last week it felt like we'd taken strides, but this week it maybe feels like we've taken a wee. It kind of feels like baby steps rather than a, a, a kind of stride that we, we maybe thought it was. We've just we've we've basically oh, we've we've that's right we've. I was going to introduce you, but you just you just keep steaming it, but that's fine. That's good. Um, so, Sean, basically, we, what you're saying is we've become better at losing. We've just we, we've 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 improved yes. upon how we lose games. Um, that- I mean, that is that is that is most certainly baby steps. It's, it's progress. I mean, if you if you're going to win a game, you have to be in it to win it. Like you can't just be getting gubbed three nothing. So it's better to lose one 0 and be you know the better team. I did, I did say it was a silver lining. There's still a big, gigantic, dark cloud in the middle of it. But at least there is a silver <laughs> lining. I mean, l- listen, we if, if, even if you go back uh, a, a few months, we're wondering what we're going to do at the back. So it turns out that, that to solve the central defensive problems, we just play fewer central defenders. We need to play a midfielder and a left back. So, so we didn't really anticipate that. So maybe there is an unusual way that we can fix the forward positions as well. I don't know what that is, but maybe, maybe Clark can figure something out. Just play Declan Gallagher there as well. we'll uh, just, not, he'll, not, judging he'll sort head, not judging by that header he missed. <laughs> every, every single corner kick 
It was just every single header went 10 yards in the air. It's like, all right, okay, back, back in position. So, Rob, what do you think um, of what um, myself and Sean were, have basically said so far about just kind of Scotland in general before we get kind of too much into the minutia of last night's game? I think um, there have... So I've, I've now set a benchmark of that Serbia game because we did play so well and it was away from home. And that, that sort of benchmark, not just for the team, but for individuals as well. So Callum McGregor put in his best performance in Serbia in a Scotland jersey, in my opinion. Um, he was back to looking pretty pedestrian um, last night. He wasn't moving the ball quick enough and we really needed that in the middle of the park for a team that was sitting back. We needed to hit them with a bit of pace. He didn't do it. Uh, Andy Robertson probably had one of his better games against Serbia. Again, he was fairly poor last night. He was kind of shown up again by Kieran Tierney, who was bombing forward, getting into the box and, and trying to start attack. So you kind of looked at a regression of the individuals. Uh, Lyndon Dykes wasn't as good. He was poor, um, poorest game in a, a Scotland jersey so far. So in terms of the international break that we've just seen generally, yeah, I mean, th- there's improvements on what we've seen in Scotland for the last four or five years. But it's still frustrating to see that in the space of five, six days, they can go back to playing how they were before uh, against an opposition that isn't as good as Serbia, I would say. Israel, I mean, Israel just seems to be a mental block that we have. Um, oh, obviously, the, the, te- the team has much changed against Slovakia, uh, but they, they actually performed really quite well. So it's it's a, a, a weird one of mixed emotions and mixed performances for me that is, is kind of confusing more than anything else that we can't put a run together, especially when the players are spending more and more time together towards the end of the, the break. As much as we, we we absolutely regressed from the performance against Serbia, but it still felt like, which I know that feels weird considering we drew at Hamden, I still feel like we played better against Israel away from home than we did at, at home. We definitely did. We were, we were awful in that game at Hamden. And you still have, you still have an advantage. Like home and away, even though there's no crowd, it still comes into it. You're still going to travel all the way to fucking Israel to be to play in a stadium that you're not used to, to play on a pitch that you're not used to against their opponents who are more familiar with their surroundings. That 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 works both ways. So we had that advantage at Hamden. Didn't look like we did at all. Uh, and Israel kind of did to an extent last night. Uh, but I, I do agree with your point that, that we were much better last night than we were in that game. I wondered, I was kind of thinking about this earlier. I wonder whether at some point, because in every single Israel game, he played a three-at-the-back system, and Israel played a three-at-the-back system. And I just wonder whether he could have maybe changed it up at, at some point. Just like, I, I like the I like the system he's kind of come on. I think it certainly done well in Serbia, done pretty well in Slovakia as well. It looked good uh, towards the end of the, the Nations League game last month against uh, Slovakia at home in the Czech Republic. But I wonder whether it just doesn't match up well with the Israel side and whether he should have... And what was Clark's fourth, third, third game against them? <laughs> third game against them. And maybe he should have kind of mixed up, especially later on in the game, where like he was making a lot of subs, but the, the formation stayed the same. It was just Oliver Burke running the ball to play instead of Stephen O'Donnell. Aye, I mean the the, the, the formation stayed the same, but. <laughs> The, for, the formation stayed the same. That the positioning of the players changed quite a lot. McTominay and Tierney ended up being right on the right on the touchline. Um, so they were the outball every time, which meant that Burke uh, and Robertson could push further forward. So it was the same system, but I think it did change tactically when these players came on. It, it was certainly a lot more um, attacking. Anyway, um, I thought Ali Burke looked great for about four minutes. Yeah, and then he, he kind of went back to being Burke again. 
Would you say Sean's a horse? The be- arguably the best four minutes of his career. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what I would say. See, see, just overall in terms of in terms of the group, I think we, I think we probably got what we deserved because I think we, I think in early the early part of this group we kind of rode our luck. I, I thought we were we maybe just about deserved the draw against Israel in in that first game. Uh, I thought we were. I thought we were a, a long way second best against the Czech Republic C team in the away game. I thought they'd done okay against the Czech Republic at home, but still, if, if you remember, they missed they missed about two or three, not necessarily open goals, but they missed two or three glorious chances for within the six yard box. So we rode the luck at times, and probably there was there was some points picked up in the early part of the group that we maybe didn't quite deserve, and that role was probably reversed in in those last two games. So. Ah, you know, so then we, we didn't win, we didn't deserve to win the group, but aye, it still feels like a it, it still feels like a missed opportunity, unfortunately. So yeah, that's and because of the way it's all ended, because of the way it's all ended, we get to play Israel again. So everyone's a winner. Uh, Steve Clark can finally uh, go out there and, and vanquish his foes. Um, I, I hate that. I hate that. It's only is that, is that how it works? It's not group. it's not drawn again. No, I would definitely. Be I drawn don't again. think so. I know. Oh, drawn again. Well, we'll still we'll still get Israel. <laughs> I don't think we're automatically in a league with Israel just forever unless we get promoted or relegated. <laughs> fucking we better not. I know, we didn't get promoted and they fucking followed us. I know, but they, they unexpectedly got promoted because they went from groups of three to groups of four. Oh, yes. Is that, is that how Northern Ireland is that how Northern Ireland managed to get relegated twice in the last two uh, yeah. leagues right, then? So the finished so bottom. Relegated. They got the relegated bottom twice, but got relegated once. Yes, aye. Like Aberdeen. But they, hey. they first bought them once and didn't get relegated. But it, it doesn't count, yeah. apparently. You know, they, they, they knew because of the reconstruction on the ground. They, so they just they, they wanted to finish last. 100%. I, I, I can't. Relegated, uh, relegated often. That's <laughs> <laughs> the cool kids are. Exactly. Relegation's fun. You get to win every week the next season. Uh, right, let's get in. So... I don't think did anybody have any problems with the team to start with? I, I certainly didn't. When it was no. the same team as the Serbia no. game, yeah, you kind of thought, right, just rewind it back, play the same, brilliant. Jobs are good in. Don't don't lose a late goal from a corner, and or uh, or, or don't concede first. Yeah, because no, yeah. I suppose that was always that that was always a concern as much as much as we uh, as kind of defensively looked decent. We haven't scored a lot of goals recently, and if we were to go to go a goal down, how are we going to react? And could we possibly overcome it? And last night would suggest that would suggest that we can. That was a, a, a kind of massive blood. It, it looks like with that system that we will that we would have to score first because Plan B is isn't quite. I, I know we're going to come onto it, and I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but Plan B isn't quite good enough to to overcome well, that. When was the last time we actually scored two goals in a match? Uh, Czech Republic away. Aye. Yes. Aye, well, aye. God. That's, but, against, that's, but against an A team. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a problem I still have with this kind of Scotland team. And I still thought it was their... I think the only game I've, I've seen recently where it wasn't was the Slovakia away game, where we did look kind of quite cohesive, uh, created chances regularly. But in every other game that we've pretty much had recently, even ones that have been positive, I still don't think there's a lot of... Uh, cohesion is just a word to use again uh, up front uh, the players I, I don't ever trust them whenever they get the ball in the final third I don't tr- like a good example last night was Callum McGregor getting the ball down the left wing uh, and getting to the byline right in behind good run to be fair to him but then I'm thinking 
I actually thought at the time before he made the pass, is if he plays this, if he's playing for Celtic, this this ball's going straight to a Celtic player and this is a goal. And he played it behind everybody. And I was like, well, of course. Like I was just expecting that to happen. And it, yeah, there was a lot of as much, as much as we're looking like better and guys like Christie are playing well and, and Dykes are playing well again, not last night, but in like the previous games, there still doesn't seem to be that sort of understanding between our forwards. That the, the play is not often smooth in attack. It still looks a little bit. We were we we were given a we were given a taster. We were, we were given a, a taster of of Ryan Fraser and Lyndon Dykes yeah. um, in the in the last round of internationals, and that that was properly promising because they were finding each other every single time. They knew where each other was, and, and Fraser playing that sort of second striker role, buzzing about off of of Lyndon Dykes, um, that gave me a lot of hope. But then obviously we've been sans Fraser um, in this one, and it, it's just finding. Being able to find uh, a, a formula that that works, um, Christie is you know his performance against Serbia and all that kind of stuff. He he deserves to be in there, but at the same time, him and Dykes don't necessarily link up like Dykes and Fraser did. And then you've got balls going into the box quite often. I noticed it last night. Uh, Dykes would make the run to the near post, and the ball would end up at the back post, and that happens so often when the ball was actually getting put into the box, and it's just. It's almost like a lack of understanding um, in there, and I, I'd like my my biggest concern about the Scotland team is the the sort of forward part, um, be that your your you know your one striker or the, the three behind it and all that kind of stuff. There just doesn't seem to be the depth or any much of a solution in there, uh, especially if Dykes goes out and and we lose him because he is one of the biggest positives. Uh, but at the same time, there's nothing else behind him that you can trust. It is fairly possible that Clark in kind of moulding this team and putting together the system that he thinks suits them the best. It's quite possible that he started for the back and that's that's the bit that's been kind of drilled to the most and maybe the, the forward play's not quite been worked upon and that's something that, that will be worked upon more in the future when we have the next internationals in March and then obviously going into the... Imagine they'll try and organise a few kind of warm-up games for, for the Euros as well and that's maybe something that they'll look at a bit more. I'd, I'd hope that to be the case because I don't want to go to the Euros next year and just get scudded every, every game. Not, uh, I hadn't realised, but the the first six World Cup qualifiers they, they play in triple head. There's two triple headers, so there's a triple header in March, but then I don't think there's any other competitive games until September. So I, I presume there's presume there's some friendlies friendlies before then. But I I think we I, I think we badly missed Fraser. The thing that we concern me about that is Fraser regularly isn't he available for for Scotland. I, I, I'm not saying he I'm not saying he calls off frivolously. But I, I, I can say that. Well, well, maybe he does. No, maybe maybe, not not this time. I would say no, no. And I, I, I sincerely doubt he'll be he'll be pulling out frivolously. And in, in, in the future, being in mind, we've got a, a a tournament coming up. But he is often not available for Scotland. So if if, if again, if if Plan A is Dykes and and Fraser, then we we, we need another we need another backup plan. And I'm, I'm not sure what that is. Christie for me is so I, I like Christie. And Christie is obviously a, a talented player. But last night was kind of how I felt about him quite often. He, I, I think he can be quite greedy at times. Uh, there, there was a point in the first half, we ended up getting a free kick out of it. Uh, Christie was attacking, he had Diggs in front of him, and Diggs had, Diggs had made a pretty good run. And I, I don't know how, I don't know how Christie couldn't see him or how he couldn't pick him out. But Christie decided to go away sell and he was, ah, he got the shot in and he was kind of chopped down and ended up being a free kick that, that we wasted. But, Dykes was Dykes was the obvious one to, to play in and then there was a couple of times where he he would get in the final third 
and they looked like there was options there, and he would just he would just delay it, or he would take that extra man on, or he would run into traffic unnecessarily, and it was it was just another kind of it was a frustrating game, and that but that was quite a frustrating element of it. I think, I think like um, no, no. I think um, if you look at the domestic um, sort of form of, of Ryan Christie, there was a stage. I don't know if this is still true, but there was a stage where he had taken more shots outside of the box than Dundee United. So it's like you know he he <laughs> he, he does have this. Uh, I mean, yes, he's he's decent at hitting shots from distance. He's scored a few of them already this season as well. Um, but he he does. Not, not so much greedy. I think it's the speed of getting his head up because that 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 run from uh, Dykes in the first half yesterday, Dykes bent his run perfectly. He's screening for it, but Christie's looking at the ball. You can see it on the on the replay. He's still looking at the ball, and he's he's obviously not looking at where Dykes is. As soon as he looks up, Dykes is offside, and he has to then continue. So, greed is maybe an element of it, but I think it, it's just the 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 speed of vision with him sometimes when it comes to playing through balls. Um, it just isn't quite there, and as you say, it. it it can be incredibly frustrating to watch. And I think that Celtic fans would probably agree that this season he has been incredibly frustrating to watch because he does that so often. And I do think it kind of goes back to the even the Serbia game. Like, yes, we played very well as a team, but I still kind of thought that... I kind of thought if Christie didn't come up with that moment of magic, so this is the reason for having him in the side, but it kind of goes to, to saying that he's not the perfect man to start alongside Dykes, is that if he didn't come up with that moment of magic, I don't think Scotland were scoring in that game. Uh, and we can't, as a team, you can't really rely upon your your you're kind of. Even though he is a very good player, you can't rely on somebody you know selling a a, a fake to a defender, turning, firing it in off the post from you know twenty yards or whatever. You you want to create proper clear cut chances, and I don't think we necessarily did all that, despite the fact completely dominating the game. And even you could even maybe say the Slovakia game, we created a lot of chances, but you know maybe we should have created more. Like it's like we, should, we certainly had enough of the ball, we had enough of territory, we had enough opportunities to to do that. And it's yeah, it's just a bit of concern. So do we just reckon that? So Fraser's not so Fraser's the answer, but he's he's maybe not going to be the answer that's available all the time. What's the second answer? What's the backup answer? Good good question because I don't think it's Lee Griffiths or. Oh, Lee Griffiths is this. Craig Kearns says in the chat should now just ch- change his name to a fully fit Lee Griffiths. Do you know what I, I When Griffiths comes on for Scotland, I always expect something to happen. But but that thing that generally happens is he just has attempts at goal rather than actually scoring. And this kind of goes back to... Jeez, oh, I can't remember even, even who was in charge at the time, but you're going back three or four years maybe. And I think I might have been in Slovakia. We're getting beat two or three now, maybe two nil at a time. And we're and there was under striking, you're right. And Lee Griffiths come on, and within within two minutes, I think, it had two attempts at goal, or, or five minutes, it had two attempts at goal and brought a couple of saves at a goalkeeper. And I'm like, right, here we go. It's exactly what Griffiths brings to the team. He's actually going to have an attempt. If he's 25 yards, he'll still want the goalie. And that that's kill that's still kind of just what he does. He, he works the goalkeeper. Doesn't he seem to score goal? I mean, he, he hasn't scored a goal for Scotland for three years. He's only scored four goals for us in, in, in general. I, I, I don't know how unfit he is. I don't know if I don't know how much less fit he is than a normal fit Lee Griffiths. But I would say is he's now, I mean, he's now, he's now 30. So I suppose for a striker, I suppose you do start to go in the way. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think Griffiths has a role to play for us. But I'm now, I'm now starting to get to the stage where I'm, 
I'm less excited when I when I see him coming on because I, I think he's just going to be a pest rather than a, a goal scorer for us, I suppose, which is a a, a bit sad. Is, is there gone, any, gone, gone are the days of uh, of Jordan Rhodes and Stephen Fletcher. That's that's the that's the caliber of striker that we need to get back into this uh, this Scotland fold. I think like um, Plan A is is quite clearly going to be Lyndon Dykes, and rightly so. He's he's earned that. He's earned to be the the number nine. I think if you're looking for players that can buzz about often, um, that that's more kind of my concern. If, if Fraser isn't there, who can do that? I think. Griffiths came on last night and had to play off of Ollie McBurney, who, by the way, I thought McBurney was actually okay. Um, I, I think he, he does obviously get a lot of stick. I think he was an improvement on Dykes because he was actually holding the ball up and, and bringing other players into it. Um, but, I mean, who else could you say is in the mould of Ryan Fraser? James Forrest? You know, little guy, bit quick, can score goals. Is he maybe an answer to that question? I don't know if he'll ever play because of the right wing back uh, position, uh, Sean is shaking his head furiously, um, and I think that that's I think that's fair because James Forrest uh, in a Scotland jersey certainly um, has uh, flattered to deceive more often than not. But it's it's looking at the system and, and who can play the second striker role effectively. Um, it's not going to be Callum Patterson. It's not going to be Ollie McBurney. Um, so it's it's about finding the the player that can just be a, an effective pest um, that can also influence the game. So Ryan Fraser is perfect for it, but to be honest, I don't know who could be the the other person behind. The Stuart Armstrong, the Stuart Armstrong deserve more of a chance under Steve Clark. He doesn't seem to rate him all that highly. So I, 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 I think Armstrong is better than Christie. However. Over the last 10 11 games, Christie has either scored or assisted a goal. Whereas Armstrong can, Armstrong again can be quite quiet, I think, for Scotland. But you see him playing for, because I wonder if maybe, but I don't, I would never watch 90 minutes of a Southampton game. But I would watch Southampton on match of the day and Armstrong would produce something. He'd, he'd test a goalie or he'd, he'd score a good goal or, or he'd set something up. So you think, oh, geez, oh, Armstrong must be having a good season. But maybe actually the rest of the game, he's not actually doing that much. And when you see him for 90 minutes for Scotland, I'm like, hmm, I've seen you on match today scoring a good goal last week. Why are you not doing that again tonight? So I, I don't know. Maybe Armstrong isn't quite as good as, as I give him credit for, but I, I would like to think he could be the answer. But I, I don't know if I've seen a, enough film in a Scotland jersey to suggest that he might be. I, I actually think we missed, I think we missed Armstrong last night. That sort of player who can who can do well in the transition and move the ball forward because we were missing that. We were missing someone who had that, uh, you know, not just the urgency to, to close down, but also when he gets the ball, he's always on the half turn and he's looking to go forward. And, and we really missed that, especially with, you know, John McGinn was blowing out of his massive arse um, <laughs> towards the end of that game. And that's he, a lot you know, of blowing. That's a lot of blowing, absolutely. Um, but I, I think that it's a shame because McGinn is that sort of player, but you could tell that he was running on empty towards the end. So it was absolutely right to take him off. But the man who should come on, obviously wasn't in the squad last night, is Stuart Armstrong because he's the guy that can effectively you know, be that link between midfield and, and attack and, and get the ball forward. So I think that he, he does probably deserve a bit more um, a bit more game time in this setup. But I think specifically last night as well, when you're coming up against a stodgy team, he's a good guy to have in there because he can move it forward. We also, missed, uh, we also missed the ability to, to attack down both flanks. So even in even in the game on Sunday, I felt we were we were getting at them on the right and the left. 
which has been provided on the left, was, was being provided by Tierney. But, but last night, we weren't doing that at all. So I don't know. I don't know was getting forward on the right. Uh, I have I have warmed to Adonis the last few games. I, I don't know if he gives us more than than Palmer, albeit at the weekend Palmer was a, got in some good up uh, good good uh, good spaces, but then they kind of provide the, the final ball. O'Donnell was O'Donnell was probably fine on the right. I, I like the fact that he probably gives everything he has. Robertson might have been one of our deepest sitting players last night. He, he provided very little going forward on the left, and I know. Uh, I know he was up against a, a, a decent opponent down their right hand side, but you, you're now at the stage where you just kind of expect that for, for Robertson on the left to not really give us any kind of width from an, an, an attacking situation, and that's. I'm now starting to think that the the, the question about who who would be best playing on the left, Tierney or Robertson, the, the answer probably is Tierney. I mean, look, looking at the evidence of the last couple of games, I would say so. He just he offers way more. He's got more urgency yeah. going forward. He's not afraid to take a man on. Whereas Robertson in a Scotland jersey, um, it's just it's such a stark contrast to what he does for Liverpool. It's so weird. I don't know if he's trying to take on too much responsibility. Um, if he's trying to you know be a midfielder at the same time as an attacker at the same time as a defender and just trying to be that man on the left. I don't know what it is, but Tierney offers more for me. Joe Joe's been telling us for three or four years, so so fair enough. Joe was right. Yeah. Hey, whoa, whoa, As whoa, ever. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Dear, is the captain ever going to be dropped? That's the kind of thing. No. Yeah, no. It's just... no. He won't. I mean, there, there was a spell when Scott That's Brown... That's why right, don't give the captain the jersey. Don't give the captain the jersey to somebody... I, I, I'm not sure I ever liked Robertson getting the jersey, uh, the armband anyway. It's kind of like, it was kind of like, it was... It was quite kind of ceremonial in terms of like let's draw a line under this kind of period. This is the new Scotland. This is this is our young kind of captain who's playing for Liverpool. Blah blah blah. Not entirely certainly suited to being a captain. And when you have another great player in his position, that's kind of that that should have been a, a warning sign already. It's like, well, are you are you prepared to drop your captain? I uh... no, you probably shouldn't give him the armband. You should give him the armband to somebody who's not going to drop at the team. But to be fair with Scotland, I don't know who that would be. <laughs> That all I actually wondered if that was one of the reasons that, that they gave him it. So they, so he maybe felt there was they maybe felt there was less chance of him dropping out if he was literally the captain of the team. All oh, right, you mean him dropping it international? Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe. Uh, Brian Jack played well last night for some uh, positives. He continues to to look pretty good in a Scotland jersey. Has uh, Ryan Jack's kind of. Renaissance in the Scotland team. I, I think he's he's very very rarely done anything wrong, and I think he I think he might have been one of our better players last night, if not the best. I, I do think I, I do think at the goal. I, I thought the goal was weird. Uh, I mean the goal the goal started in there. I think the goal started in their six yard box. Lyndon Diggs kind of tried to square the ball across goal with the outside of his foot. That was cut out. Then I think it was. It might have been Tierney that they missed out on the header in the middle of the park, which might have been a, a soft free kick. And then for that point, we looked like we were in trouble. But nobody really reacted as if they felt we were in trouble. Like Jack, I'm, I'm not saying Jack was necessarily at fault, but he, like Israel were attacking us at speed and he just kind of jogged along al- alongside. Like he never ever got back in a position where he was going to be able to help out McTominay, who, who was then exposed. And I think... I think McTominay at that point, I can see why Craig Anderson and was it you and Booth Robertson had their had had their spat about whether or not McTominay could play centre half. And I suppose 
I suppose I can see why they why they both why they both said what they said because I think the majority of the time McTominay probably can play centre half reasonably well, but then so could Lyndon Dykes probably. <laughs> but 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 with both individuals, they will eventually get exposed at the fact that that's nowhere to play, and that was probably a good example of it last night. But I I thought Jack could have gotten a bit quicker. Uh, but yes, other than that. I thought in general he had, a, he had a very good game. He keeps things simple. He tidies up. He protects the back four. He he, he, he kind of snuffs a lot of attacks out and I, I really like him. His, uh, his wee through ball for Stephen O'Donnell in the first half as well, the first yep. time with the outside of the foot was absolutely brilliant. Um, so he, he can offer that that side of it as well. I, I, I really like Ryan Jack. I like him in that Rangers team. I like him in the Scotland team. He, he quietly goes about his business um, and, and is effective at doing so. I think, you know, He's not undroppable, but at this stage, I don't see anyone who could come in and do a better job uh, than what he's than what he's doing just now. Um, kind of on the McTominay point, quickly, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to drive a wedge between Craig Anderson and Ewan Booth Robertson here, but I think the the benefits of playing McTominay at centre half, um, whereby he can start attacks, bring the ball out of defence, uh, and allow O'Donnell to push forward. Up until last night probably outweighed the negatives but now that's two goals in two games that you could say that he's been uh, completely exposed for so it was like ah, maybe maybe it's better to not lose goals than to have a guy who can bring the ball out of defence and, and be effective in that way so aye, I'm, 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 I'm on the fence with it in fairness, the one, in fairness to the McTominay at centre-half uh, brigade um, shall we say I'm, I'm in neither camp I'm, I'm kind of indifferent I see both sides uh, I'm Switzerland in this war uh, I the the goal against Serbia is from a set piece. He, if, he's in, if he's in the team, he's going to be marking one of their taller players anyway because he's a tall player. So that I don't think that necessarily matters where he's playing at centre-half or in midfield. And you'd think if he's not playing at centre-half, he, he might play in midfield because he's an English Premier League player, even though he might be better with Jack and McGregor in there or Jack and not McGregor in there. I'm going back to McGregor. I was, I was, I bagged him up on the telly. That's the thing that loads of people watch. So everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, Fowler likes, likes McGregor at Scotland level. But if uh, the real OGs, people who listen to the show, will, will know that that was a, an outlier and he's generally pish than he was again last night. Well, I mean, you, you say the word, you say the word outlier. His performance in Serbia was an outlier um, for Scotland. <laughs> well, he's, he's now got 28 caps and he's had one memorable performance in those 28 games. You can end up with 50 um, caps, and they're all, the majority, vast majority of them are going to be shit. And he's going to get a gold yeah. medal for it. He's going to get a gold medal or whatever they get for their uh, for the 50 appearances. Or I don't know if that's place, in the, place in the Hall of Fame. You got an automatic place in the Hall of Fame. A place in the Hall of... Imagine that, Callum McGregor, a place in the Hall of Fame, 50 games for Scotland, 49 of them, fucking anonymous. <laughs> see, see when he took the armband off McGinn a few weeks ago, my jaw hit the floor so fucking hard and neighbours complained, honestly. I was like, you kidding? That guy? <laughs> and he's got stupid hair, anyway. Is there any other players to, to praise or will we go on to the next on our, on our memorable list of, of Scotland games? Uh, was anybody else praiseworthy? David David Marshall, again, had a, a, a decent game. Made a, a couple of good saves. Good for him. Oh, he was fine. Aye, aye. Oh, right, let's move on. The, the, the four minutes of Ollie Burke needs mentioned again, just very... <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't. He's a horse. <laughs> <laughs> right so this is number 26 I think in our, in our most memorable in our top 50 list of the most memorable Scotland games of all time 
Really drawn the shot. And, and I and I remember it so well. Um, <laughs> you remembers that to be fair. That, right, but, right. So who voted for it? How can you have how can you have a memorable Scotland game list and nobody remembers it unless ghosts have been voting? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was a vote, so. You watch a lot of horror films, Sean. Is there any is there any is there any ghosts in your recollections? Honestly, democracy is broken. <laughs> so this comes from the 30th of November 1872. Uh, there was no number one in the charts, obviously. I had a look at a Wikipedia that just called music in 1872. There was four songs that they, that said pop culture or pop songs. Uh, and I, I I Googled all four of them to see if any there was any kind of trace of any of them. Now, I couldn't establish a clear link for this, but there is a song called You'll Never Miss the Water Till the Well Runs Dry by Harry Lynn and Roland Howard, which oh, wow. there are songs called that. So they, they, they might be kind of covers from the, that previous song that originated in 1872. But like I say, I couldn't find a clear link, so it might just be songs with the same name. So do you, do you think songs from 1872 have been getting cover versions? Well, they might be you know, passed down and stuff. I don't know. I don't know how it worked back then. No, not just the same name, maybe. Probably just the same name. It's quite a long name that'll be the same. I mean, that, that, this game probably pre- this game probably even predates a number of hymns. It's that fucking long ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does predate film by twenty three years. Only twenty three. So there was no number one at the US and UK box office. Hence the fact the only uh, the only thing I could find from the game was seven drawings. No, actually, another one at the UK US box office was just hand puppets. <laughs> right, uh, of course, this is the first. Uh, this is why it's it, it's in the list, even though in terms of quote unquote memorable by. But we wanted to pick, we wanted people to pick games that they kind of deserve to be celebrated, and this is the first ever international football match ever between any country, not just Scotland, any country. Well, see, see that, that I found that quite interesting. So I, I don't know if I already knew this, but. That I started reading about again today. They'd already played each other. They'd already played each other about five times. This this was just the first official one. So the other games yes. that they played each other, it was uh, I think either all of them or the majority of them were played in England, and it was from kind of Anglo Scots. So it was Scottish players that were either in or around the London area, and they decided that wasn't representative enough. Although they, they, they did say that the invitation was to all Scottish players. And they say the problem with the with, was kind of with the, the Scottish players that were up up north, and not not kind of answering the call to represent the nation. But I so to, I think the I think the theory was it wasn't representative enough. But then this official game only had players from Queens Park. So <laughs> <laughs> how representative is that? I so thought there was there was, was you're right. It was the first official international. There was there was two two other players named in the squad uh, who did not play for Queens Park, but they were injured uh, and weren't able to play. Uh, that, that's obviously, as we all know, uh, Arthur Kinnaird of the Wanderers and uh, Henry Rennie Taylor of the Royal Engineers. But we all knew that anyway. A very good season. Um, very, uh, <laughs> the, the 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 Wanderers were unstoppable um, that year. It was it was it was quite something. Um, so yeah, no. I, I'd, obviously, England had a, a plethora of different teams. I believe it was nine, nine different teams uh, that they could pick their players from. So yeah, I can just start. I can just keep reading the Wikipedia page if you want. Like, I, <laughs> I like. I was kind of reading between the lines from because uh, Charles Alcock, he was the FA secretary and England captain, and he was the one that was kind of like in charge of organising this. 
and he'd organised the previous matches. He'd kind of thrown down the challenge, uh, put ads and papers asking for Scottish players to, to to form a team and then to come down and play England. And then it mainly became, became Scots based in London. And, and he was. It seemed like he was a bit <laughs> reading between the lines. It seemed like he was a bit annoyed about it, the fact that. Um, like Scotland, they basically said, "Well, because Scotland didn't win any of those games." It's also Scotland. Well, that didn't count. <laughs> no best players. And he's like, well, "For fuck's sake, then <laughs> get us a proper get a proper team together. We'll give a game." I, I think. Uh, I think the thing that most amazed me was how could it possibly finish nil nil when <laughs> Scotland played a two two six and England played a one one eight? Because that would what that suggests to me is. That nobody from 1872 is going to would be able to, to fix our current upfront issues if there's six of them that, that can manage a goal. What a fucking what a defence, though, Sean. What a defence. Keep a clean it's, sheet against eight forwards. It's all because Scotland's number eleven, David Watherspoon, had one of his off days. <laughs> Just uh, he was he wasn't. Yeah, we, we've seen that from him over the years. He underperforms sometimes. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite funny. Just reading that at the end of the team. So the team was Robert Gardner and goals. Uh, the full-backs of William Kerr, uh, Kerr spelt with only one R, uh, Joseph Taylor. The half-backs were James J. Johnson and James Smith. And the forward line was Robert Smith, Robert Leckie, Alex Rind, Billy G- uh, McKinnon, Jerry Weir, and uh, current uh, St. Johnston midfielder David Wotherspoon. <laughs> it, uh, it, it was the, the Wotherspoon family that we have to thank for the, the, having a, a lion rampant as a badge. He uh, he asked his wife to to sew eleven lions onto the onto the, the the shirts, although they were white rather than rather than the current colour. So, so there you go. That was thank thank you, Witherspoons. Thank you, Mrs. Witherspoon. Very good. And, and David for the suggestion. <laughs> she uh, she provided the she provided the the seamstress skills. He provided the idea. A real a real team. I like this. I like this sentence. The Scots had a goal disallowed in the first half after the umpires decided that the ball had cleared the tape that was used to represent the crossbar. It was under the tape. It was under the tape. Aye. Everybody could see it. Aye. So, th- th- this was a question that... Fuck it. Tape? <laughs> I don't understand. There was no... That uh, was... That was there, there wasn't any... Cro- I, I don't know when crossbars were introduced, but they, they never had any crossbars in 1872, so they just, they just had kind of two poles and some tape. I mean, had metal even been invented in 1872? <laughs> I've no idea. <laughs> Aye, it was woodwork, Sean. That's uh, Sean, uh, Rob. That's why we still call it woodwork now, even though it's not wood anymore. Ah, oh, there you go. I like the fact that even even back then, the, the match report said that every every English player had a two stone advantage over their their Scottish counterpart. So even that isn't a modern thing. That the English players are like just bigger, bigger and heavier than us. Wonder what they were doing back then exactly of, two stone. <laughs> wonder what they were doing back then instead of doping. <laughs> they probably just had, they probably just, had just, 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 just taking an absolute shit ton of medicinal cocaine. That's all it is. <laughs> that makes you scary though. Dah. <laughs> it's a good reason. Uh, like uh, 4,000 fans were there. It was at the Oval Cricket Ground in Hamilton. Was it something like that? Sure yeah. that yes, it was the the cricket ground in uh, at Hamilton Crescent. Hamilton Crescent. Yes. That now sells uh, now sells Christmas trees. Yes, 
I uh, um, I went up there and had a bevy during the summer because uh, none of the pubs were open. Nice. It was very nice. Yeah. Four four thousand fans watched the match, and uh, despite finishing a nil nil draw, they roared their appreciation at the end. They were, they were thoroughly entertained by what they saw. Now there there is a bit of a <clears throat> there is a bit of a discussion about whether or not there was four thousand there. Uh, because they, they they weren't entirely sure if it could hold four thousand, and the 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 gate money would suggest that there wasn't four thousand there. The, the gate money would suggest that there was about two to two and a half thousand there. Although officially it is four thousand. However, women were given free admission, so maybe maybe there was maybe there was two thousand women there as well that uh, that didn't have. This to- sounds. This sounds an awful lot how uh, Celtic tally up their attendances every week by saying, oh, there's 60,000 here and the fucking top tier's empty. It, it sounds like, you know, uh, a game as old as time uh, bringing up attendances there. That's that's good. They're probably even doing that this season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Robert Gardner a bit because I had these notes. I, I'm fa- <laughs> Apologies to anybody listening if I've, if I've read all these notes already because I think one of the first games we've done of this was a match kind of for similar times. Uh, and I had a lot of notes left over, but I purposely left some for when we got to the this game, the first ever international. But I, that was also so long ago that I've completely forgotten what I read out and what I didn't. But I didn't think I talked about Robert Gardner, who was the captain of the team. So Scotland's first ever captain. He kept goal, kept clean sheet in the first half. Uh, doesn't count to keep the clean sheet for the entire game because he swapped to Robert Smith at halftime and went outfield. But it was a quote read from Gardner was like a manager, administrator, captain rolled into one, having helped organise that first international, picked the Scotland team and organised the players into positions. With no manager on the sidelines, he was also the man deciding during games on changes of positions and tactics and often, including in that first international, that meant him coming out of goal to play outfield. He was so versatile that I've seen him at work in all positions of the field, goalkeeper back, halfback and even forward. But as a goalkeeper, that was where he excelled. When I remember the brilliant men who have since stood between the posts, none ever used their hands and weight to greater advantage than Gardner. Now, I didn't write down who that, that quote was from. So. He uh, he mm-hmm. also is... <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> it was from... Was, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Who's his dad? <laughs> there is uh, there is also apparently a, a cartoon depiction of him uh, which brings out his best qualities so he had a big massive fucking beard uh, and apparently when, during boring times of games he would just smoke his pipe uh, while standing between the sticks as well so I've got a lot of time for Bobby Gardner uh, he seems like, a, seems like a good egg very well educated as well apparently he also served as a referee in the first ever international between Scotland and Wales he, uh, he, he, he sadly died while working on the fourth bridge I died for TB. So did uh, da- so did so did David Wotherspoon, not the company. So he died. He died from tuberculosis on the fourth bridge. I'm sure it was. He felt ill and went home. Um, that read that he died on the fourth bridge. <laughs> yeah, he definitely should have phoned in sick that day. Robert, can you lift that gutter? Ah, my lungs. <laughs> Maybe I, maybe I'm mixed up. Maybe it wasn't Robert Gardner. I, I thought he died on the fourth bridge. I'm just googling this now just to make sure. But the, the other thing I, I, I thought was quite funny was the so the English players wore caps for the game, but the, the description of the Scottish players is that they wore cowls. So I, I, what I couldn't get my head down to is a cowl is the hooded part of what Batman wears. So that made that made it sound like like a kind of fathers for fathers for justice convention. <laughs> 
but but judging by the drawings, that it was like wee caps that made the Scottish players look like gnomes. Aye. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, from the from the cartoons that I've studied, um, it, it certainly looked that way. Um, on, on, Sean, on FIFA's page, it says that he died from tuberculosis. Oh, I I, uh, I, I just went with his Wikipedia page. <laughs> no, Sean, I'm reading his Wikipedia page to now. <laughs> it says that he found work um, on the Fourth Bridge project at South Queensferry, but he di- so he died in South Queensferry at the age of forty, I think. It's to be fair. It is a it's a very weirdly worded sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? It, it was one or the other, wasn't it? The fourth bridge. We be pretty sure of a guy who was so good with his hands fell off the fourth road bridge, <laughs> the fourth rail bridge, and died. What a shame. I'm just having a look through. How else did everyone die? Let's have a look. I had a, I had a look. Uh, there was. I did have a look to see how many of the team died because of TB, because I know it was a bit more kind of uh, prevalent back then. So Wellerspin died of TB. Uh, the who else was in line? Uh, Jerry Weir. He was another one of those diseases that was quite. That's, that's now kind of kind of been eradicated. Go. Let me see. He unfortunately died of smallpox. <laughs> I think we should wrap this up now. No, I'm having fun looking at how these guys died. <laughs> I, I, I'm out. I'm out of. Uh, I'm out of facts about this game that, that may or may not be true. Anyway, <laughs> Christ, a lot of them died off a young, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it was 1872. <laughs> Push the love back then. That is true. If you had TB, that was you fucked, basically. Because I'll just call it the lung. You've got the lung. That's you. It's waste away. Shite. Anyway, on that note. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much for listening to this episode. We're going to wait to record the picture now where we're going to look back at the current Scotland squad uh, and which of those players were most likely to die from TB. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.